You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. So, we have Brad Barrage. He is a sound artist at Feld Entertainment in Florida, where he designs sound for Disney experiences and their tours. Something very special about Brad is that he grew up about 15 minutes away from where I live. So I'm so happy to have you here, Brad. Thanks for having me, Mason. How are you? I'm doing doing good. Managing the the boredom of the pandemic, but uh, doing okay. Can you talk about how you got to where you are in the industry? Sure. Well, uh, I studied at uh, University of Southern Indiana, not also not too far away from you, uh, and I studied theater and. They didn't have specific sound design education, but they had real solid design education and solid theater education fundamentals. And I found that uh, those tools I was able to learn in school for being a storyteller really helped uh, move me into my career as a sound designer. All the, you know, the tools and, and devices and gear needed to do what I, I do is all relatively easy to learn and, and master, but the uh, concept of storytelling was something that was always very important to me. And so after school, uh, I worked around the Midwest for a little bit and then moved to New York. And I worked and lived in New York for a little while, mostly as a A1 or the person running the sound on, a, on shows a little bit of design work at smaller theaters. Uh, And then I moved to Nashville, Tennessee, after a couple of years to kind of broaden my experiences a little bit. I also have uh, some music, uh, a music background. So I was working a little bit in music and in live concert production in Nashville. And then I moved to Massachusetts and ended up working at Jacob's Pillow Dance Festival as their sound supervisor for a number of years and at Williams College as a sound supervisor in their Performing Arts Center. That kind of transitioned into a uh, pretty busy freelance career, traveling a lot, uh, working at different theaters around the country, and through, you know, word of mouth, which is a lot of our industry, was introduced to Feld Entertainment and uh, moved down here to Florida in 2016 to start work as the director of sound operations for for Feld and all of its properties. 
What would you say your job description is as a sound artist? As a sound artist, uh, I see the, the job as using sound the same way a painter would use paint. Uh, I'm, I want to create a story or paint a picture and only use sound to do that. Uh, that translates into uh, a few different things in my career at Feld with, you know, stuff that on the surface doesn't look like it's higher end artistic things like Disney on ice and Sesame street live and shows like that. You wouldn't, you'd think this is, this is kind of lowbrow entertainment, but if you apply those strong artistic principles, you would to a Shakespeare play or, or any other piece of theater, if you apply those to, what some would consider these mostly commercial uh, pr productions, the product you get out of it is that much better. So I see myself as a storyteller, first and foremost, and then I use sound and, and the technology around sound to do that. What freedoms do you get when producing a show? Is it usually exact of what you have to do? It varies based on the on the show and the and the team that's working on the show, and specifically the director and the producers. Uh, with some shows, or if there's a level of comfort with the director and and myself as the designer, I get a great deal of freedom to try things and and experiment with with different ideas. You know, anytime you're doing a play or or a musical there there's going to be things that are called for in the script like a car pulling up or a storm now you can render those things but the way a, a car pulls up or the way it sounds or the way the storm sounds storm sounds how does that inform the story and how does that affect the audience so crafting those ideas within what would seem like a a, a pretty basic concept can be quite complex did, do you think that growing up here in a smaller town has made it harder to get large jobs? Um, I did when I lived in the small town, um, but evidence has shown that that's not true because now I'm working on the some of the biggest shows that are made <laughs> in, in the country. So um, I think it's a matter of of work ethic and working hard and not just working hard, but working smart and, and also being the type of person that other people want to be around. So what I did learn in my small town, uh, upbringing was how to be a nice person and how to be polite. And those skills are, are tremendously useful every day, not just in my professional life, but also in my personal life. And while I did have perceptions of what the world was coming from a small town, getting out into that world, those perceptions changed quite a bit. And I realized that the only limitation I'm really going to have is myself. So I need to figure out the right way to work and the right people to work with and go after that. And persistence and drive the want to is is a major factor that's contributed to the successes I've had. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So what is the project that has been most rewarding to you? Uh, there's been a couple things. And I'll, there's, I'm going to use two different shows as an example because they're diametrically opposed in terms of the type of story. But they were rewarding for, for in different ways. Uh, the first one was a play I did about four years ago. It was called In Darfur. And this is with Wham Theater uh, up in Massachusetts. And I was an associate artist for that theater company. And it's a play about uh, the genocide that took place in Darfur. And it's uh, a really raw, really gritty show about the, the atrocities and the horrors that happened there. And having to research that material and figure out how to render that to an audience was, was pretty intimidating. But the effect the show had on the audience was, was tremendous. And then uh, Wham Theater is an organization that uses a double philanthropic model. So they take some of their, they take their, some of their ticket proceeds and pay it forward to other charities. So they were able to send a significant amount of money to an orphanage uh, in Africa with the ticket sales from that show. And, it, and the entire run had sold out because it was so good. And that was incredibly rewarding to be part of that. Uh, on the flip side, um, doing the Disney on Ice productions is also tremendously rewarding and for a, for a diff completely different way. They're not as, uh, you know, I'm not writing the music for the, for those shows. And on the surface, the artistic content isn't as, as deep, but to be in a, an arena and hear 20,000 people sing, let it go all in unison always gives a, a pretty intense chill up my back. So it, that's tremendously rewarding to be part of, of that and, and getting that material out to people and out to that many people at once. So you mentioned being in the arena. Do you tour with the Disney on Ice shows? No, uh, we have failed produce nine, or, or previously before uh, COVID, we're producing nine Disney on Ice productions, uh, three Sesame Street Live productions, Marvel Universe Live, Jurassic Park, or Jurassic World Live, Monster Jam, uh, about six tours of Monster Jam, and super motocross. We also had a few installations, Trolls the Experience in New York, uh, Nickelodeon Slime City in Miami. So I'm the director for the entire company, so I have jurisdiction over all of those productions. Uh, I do travel occasionally to, to check in and visit with those productions, and I'll occasionally go with them on their first or second tour stop if that type of work is needed. Uh, but there's a separate crew that tours with the show. And I also had a support staff that would go and check up on them more regularly than I could. What's the best advice you've gotten so far? Uh, put in the work. Uh, just, just work and learn. And, you know, for, for me, it was 
it's rare that someone's going to hand something to you. So really putting in the time to learn all the things you need to advance to the next step when, especially when you're younger can pay some huge dividends as you get older, as I've been, uh, evidence of. So I would, my, the best advice I got was you have to put in the work. You have to be diligent about it. Like in college, we had to present in our resumes every semester and have them reviewed. We always had to, it's, it's hustling. You have to hustle. And that was extremely beneficial in New York. Like the first big job I got was uh, I'd sent my resume in and followed up with a phone call and somebody literally broke their leg. They fell off the stage and broke their leg. And because the, the production manager had talked to me last, they called me to replace that person. And that ended up being, I ended up mixing a show for a, a prominent Broadway designer, Peter Fitzgerald for months. So that was a, a tremendous career boost. And it's just, you know, it's, I, I think the, the analogy that I appreciate the most is what, you know, someone giving a definition to being lucky and that's preparation plus opportunity. So I was prepared, I had applied and then the opportunity presented itself. So, you know, you have to be prepared. The opportunities will then come as you prepare. Do you think you've benefited more from education or experience? I think I've benefited from experience more. However, I wouldn't have been able to attain those experiences without my education. Um, I'm, I feel very grateful for my education at the University of Southern Indiana. Um, the faculty there is really in tune with how to train professionals and how to train people that will work in the industry. So I've, I felt that that type of work ethic and, and drive was instilled in me in school. And that has helped me tremendously. Now I've taken, I've gotten the experiences through that drive and use them as stepping stones to the next experience and the next and the next and the next. So I think it's kind of more linear, like the education gave me the opportunity to get the experience. And then the experience gave me the opportunity for more experience. So the big question is, what are you doing during quarantine? Well, I have uh, caught up on a lot of TV that I've missed over the last few years. <laughs> um, I am reading as much as I can, although the TV is a, a, a tempting muse from time to time. Uh, I'm a member of the Theatrical Sound Designers and Composers Association, the TSDCA. And we are producing a podcast and I'm uh, producing two of those episodes and, and contributing in other ways as needed. So that's taken up time. I've worked on some musical projects with my church band, which I was a occasional member of before COVID. And now we've done the, the multi-screen uh, song presentation. So I've, I've contributed to that and I've mixed uh, a few of them here in my home studio. So it's been... Uh, an interesting time, but uh, I'm hopeful that it will give us all a, an increased focus when we're able to come back. So do you want to add anything before we end this? No, I, you know, other than to people like yourself that are, that are younger is uh, take in as many experiences as you can, as I'm sure you do. Um, you know, there's a, 
a pretty robust theater, high school theater community in Warwick County with, I don't, at, at Castle, I know that Eric Ante, the director there, uh, him and I were in school together. He's a little older, but um, he's doing some impressive things. Um, the productions at, at USI and UE are phenomenal for college level programs. And I would encourage you and your peers to go see those as much as possible. And you get tours that come through, even my company tours through. Um, we play the, the theater downtown and the uh, arena with our, with our different productions. So I would just say see as much as you can so that you can figure out what you like and what you don't like and what your interests are. And uh, when you do go to college, I have found that people that get a solid liberal arts education and that a, a Bachelor of Arts versus a Bachelor of Fine Arts and like a conservatory program, those BA students tend to be a lot more successful as a, as a whole person when, they, when they're coming out of school. There's, their worldview is a little more shaped and they have the ability to adapt a little easier. So I would, I would consider that moving forward for you and your peers. Well, thank you so much for being here. Sure. Thanks, Mason. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. <laughs> 